from 1967 then there's Motown's Chris Clark with I Want to Go Back There Again a track that Berry Gordon remembered as a personal favourite in his autobiography and live on the line I've got the lady herself Chris Clark artist singer creator tell me about Skegness we met a couple of weeks ago uh, on the Lincolnshire coast what a ball tell me about it from your end oh I just absolutely loved it you know there's no more a generous um, incredible audience than that Northern Soul contingent and Skedness was just um, you know what they breathe life into us they make us as an artist come alive it's just like nothing I've ever I've ever experienced the only sad part was that as I understand it the last one Yes, apparently so. Well, I'm sure it's the last one at Butlins, at Skegness, but there will be other venues. And uh, Russ, you know, he, uh, he'll, he'll seek it out and, and continue it, I'm sure. It's too good to die. Oh, gosh, I hope so. Yeah. It's a shame to, to lose that. Just the whole energy of it is well, that's Incredible. right. There was a real buzz, wasn't there? And it's a great gallery. Yeah. It's a great to get together. And I mean, I think as an onlooker, I think you seem to enjoy it just as much as a punter, as a spectator, as you did as an artist. Because you were down there in the crowd, you were uh, photographing, you were just having a ball of a time talking to people. It was lovely. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's invigorating. Yeah, good. So tell me how um, how you got into music then, Chris, because you started at a really young age, didn't you? Yes, I did. I left home um, just as I turned 17. But you've been been uh, singing professionally before that, haven't you? Yeah, I started started very young when I was in... uh, uh, seventh grade, I was with high school groups, and when I got into high school, I was with college groups, and I was um, working nightclubs, and I went on a couple of bus tours. Yeah. And then um, when I left, I spent a year in uh, in L.A. Well, and then actually, I went up to Seattle for a little while. Okay. And then when I came back, I met Hal Davis. Ah. So. That was uh, that was a handy man to know because he he uh, he was well known in the industry, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, and he uh, he cut me on a on a couple of tunes, put them in my hand, and sent me back to uh, Detroit to meet Mr. Gordy. Fantastic! One of the tracks that Hal Davis had a hand in producing on you was this gem, called "Sweeter as the Days Go By." Let's have a listen. So it's nineteen sixty three, and you've got an audition at Motown. That, I mean, that, yeah. must have been, that must have been a dream come true because, um, I mean, Motown was the label. It was, it was up and coming. It was vibrant. It was new. It was a whole new distinctive sound. And how does a white girl stand a chance of getting onto a black label? Tell me that. Oh, I'll tell you, he didn't want me. <laughs> just because I was, he said, you know, I don't, want a, I don't want a white girl with all my producers. It's just going to be a hassle. Well, and I was like... How dare you? You know, all I want to do is sing, blah, 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 blah. So he listened to the acetate, and then he said, well, let me hear you sing live. Okay. And I said, well, do you have a a keyboard? Duh. (laughs) Uh, And he said, "Uh, yeah. So he took me to a keyboard, and he said, what are you going to sing? And I said, oh, I want to sing All I Could Do Is Cry, Netta James. Right, yes. And he looked at me kind of funny, and he said, "Uh, do you want me to play it with you? play it for you? And I said, well, no, the chords are kind of complicated. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> and so while I was singing it, he was just looking down my throat. I can't explain it. And so when I got done, uh, he said, uh, okay, uh, follow me. 
and he took me into Holland Dozier's office. Okay. And he said, oh, got this little white girl, and uh, I might be signing it, and she's going to sing something. Uh, do you want me to play play it for you? No, 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 I'll, I'll do it. Chords are complicated. <laughs> so I sat down, and I sang. All I could do is cry then. Now those two were looking at me, and then he took me into Smokey's office. Same thing. I didn't find out until two years later that he wrote All I Could Do Was Cry. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, dear. How embarrassing. Brilliant. Lovely story. Um, so, I mean, yeah. but he was, uh, he was understandably reluctant to sign White Gills because uh, this was at the height of the racial tension, wasn't it? Especially in Detroit. You were only a couple of years away from the riots. Um, oh, yeah. And when those, when those happened, uh, they used to have to put me in the back of the car under a blanket. Wow. Because they had, you know, they had... Um, uh, soldiers on the roof, right? You know the National Guard. Yeah. So yeah, and some of our some of our uh, engineers remember running out of the building with the two inch tape because they were afraid that it was going to get torched, which it it didn't. Goodness me, goodness me. Um, so uh, I mean, when Barry Tucker um, uh, saw your uh, your talent and decided to sign you for Motown, he um, he rather mentored you, didn't he? He took you under yeah. his wing. Yeah, he did for a number of years. Um, and he wrote a couple of tunes for me and we wrote some together and, and then, um, I just took off doing anything creative that I could handle. Great. But I mean, yeah, he was, he was my mentor. But Barry didn't keep you all to himself, did he? Here's a track Smokey Robinson wrote and produced on you. This is from Head to Toe. I mean, singing wasn't the only thing you did at Motown. What was it like working there? Because was it um, everybody had a, had a, a go at everything? Because you did a bit of songwriting, you did a bit of arranging. Yeah, even worked as receptionist for a while, didn't you? I mean, what was it uh, like? No, that part wasn't that part wasn't true. Oh right, ah, there's a yeah. Myth that, I that. think that was Martha. Ah yes, Martha Reeves was um, uh, was a receptionist, wasn't she? And then I I wrote dialogue for our acts when they I started a video center, so mm -hmm. I I taped. I recorded everything black on television yeah. because we wanted to know what the various um, what the various hosts how they related to black people and and then we started writing special dialogue for our acts to go on there so they could get more time at the time. Uh, Mike Douglas would have Bobby Gentry with a with one hit record co-host a week and the the Temptations would do a three minute lip sync. Oh, so see. it took us a while to, you know, break some of those doors down. Right. And then, uh, and then, um, we did some television and from there we did a movie. Right. Yes. And we'll, we'll he called me up. I was out of the, out of town. He called me up and said, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm making a movie and, uh, I have this script I want you to read. I really like it. And so I said, oh, well, uh, okay. And so he sent it to me and it was horrible. Oh, right. It was absolutely wretched. And I said, you can't do that. Oh, no, I'm going to make this movie. I said, you can't do that. That's horrible. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. He said, then rewrite it. Right. I said, well, I've, I've never written a script. I'll put someone with you who knows the form. Uh, and I said, I, um, okay. And he said, yeah, there's two tickets waiting for you at the office there. Wow. Well, so come back and write it. And that's what I did. They he, stopped production for... I think two months. Yeah. Well, I rewrote the whole thing, and, you, and they shot literally. They shot the last day. They shot 
the scene that I turned in that day. That's how close <laughs> to the wire it Wow, was. hand to mouth. That's just in time, isn't it? Um, so, I mean, but we've not mentioned the film. The film, of course, was the um, Lady Sings the Blues, wasn't it? You got an Oscar nomination for that. Right. Let's have a quick listen to some excerpts from that award-winning film. Billy Holiday. Billy Holiday. Yes. Yes, that's me. I'm Detective Hannon, New York City Police Department, Narcotics Division. We got a warrant for your arrest. What's going on? We got to take you in. What the hell's going on? Taking her in. Lady Sings the Blues, a powerful screenplay and an award-winning performance from Dinah Ross as the lead character, Billy Holiday. Yeah, she was just incredible. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, um... Going back to your uh, musical career with Motown, um, the first, I think the first single you caught was uh, Do Right, Baby, Do Right. Right, uh-huh, and you wrote that. Beautiful, beautiful. What was it like in recording studios? Was it a one-take thing? Was it, did the whole band play behind you, or was it tracked? Yeah, uh, it was initially, you know, you all played live. Right. And it was never one track. It was, it was you know... You sang it until you got it right. <laughs> I see. Yeah. yeah, there must have been a lot of late nights at Motown then because... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, but, you know, that was half of the half of the fun, too. I'm sure. But, yeah, it was, there, was, there was a lot of... I felt a lot of pressure. Well, all the hard work paid off when you're producing magic like this. Here's Do Right, Baby, Do Right. You... There, from 1968, is your sixth 45 release for the Motown group called Whisper You Need Me. Well, um, so, when you were, uh, as, a, as a songwriter and arranger and working with Berry, I mean, Berry's a man who, I've never met him, I've never spoke to him, I don't know, but obviously there's a lot in the public domain about him. He seems to be a man who knows what he wants. So, for him to mentor you and you to work under his tutelage, was he strict with his framework? Did he allow you to be creative? How did it work? Uh, he, you know what? He drew my creativity out. I had, it turned out I, I had a black belt in lyrics from God knows where. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so I did, I did a lot of lyrics and our way of writing a tune was coming up with a tune and then me writing 400 sets of lyrics and him picking the best ones. Oh, say. <laughs> Brilliant. Lovely. Um, so, um, tell me about the infamous track the the anthem that is do i love you uh because of course frank wilson's uh, original version was only released on a promo and i don't think yours saw release until 2000 or something tell me about how that yeah, came about he, he, he wrote it and i was i was the one that released it mm-hmm. initially um i love that song so that got a release in and the then 60s later on i think one was released with him but I don't know if it was actually released and promoted or what. No, I don't, th- I don't think so. It was cut from what I've read. It was it was dropped. But um, there were some demos went out to radio stations. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. Always fills the floor. Let's give it a spin. It was due to come out on VIP, but they decided against what an opportunity missed. But um, so, how did you come to be singing that? Did he write it for you? Um, word around the campfire is you did a, a demo on it to show people how it should be sung. Um, yeah. It, but I mean, you saw the reaction at Skegness um, when "Do I Love You" uh, was performed. Oh yeah, they, it's a, it's they close all their finales with it. Yeah, uh, and this was the first year I got to sing on one. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so. 
On to your album then, you uh, brought out an LP on the Motown imprint called Soul Sounds. And that was a bit of a departure from the traditional music associated with Motown, because it was far more bluesy, wasn't it? Tell me about that. Did uh, you have a lot of fun making that? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was my first album there, so it was yeah. the things that, that I cut. Great. Um, and a lot of those, a lot of those I, I still love. Great tracks. And they cut a little bit me a little bit with everybody. I like if you if you should walk away. Yeah. And sweeter as the days go by. Yeah. Yeah. Love's gone bad. Huh? Love's yeah. gone bad. Oh yeah. Let's have a listen to that for a moment. I feel a pounding in my face. Nice thing the thing for me about that is that Motan records habitually sort of they tend to repeat to fade to end the song but love's gone bad it's just it's an abrupt ending um that's because i couldn't i couldn't ad lib right i mean Tell where me i came that. from it's funny I, I wasn't i wasn't a blues singer i just had a blues edge i okay. mean i kept getting thrown out of folk groups so <laughs> i hadn't listened to black music coming up so when i was in with holland dozier we got to the end of the song and they said okay now this is gonna go and just sing anything you want I mean, anything, just go for it. Right. And so they were playing the vamp, and I was going, love gone bad in the midnight hour. Right. Oh, yeah. And this, all of a sudden, the sound stopped, and uh, Brian said, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> I said, no, I don't know how to add this. So that's why it ended like that. Well, that's one of the tracks that is pure Motown magic. And, uh, I mean, the flip side as well. The flip side was a cover of the Elgins, Put Yourself in My Place. Now, that must have been quite daunting to... um, The thing about covering previous tracks, especially when they've done so very, very well, um, I mean, you're on a hide into nothing. That must have been quite daunting. Uh, I was pretty intimidated because I had heard a a cut of it on them yeah and and i mean how do you touch them yeah exactly exactly let's give it a play shall we you uh, you put your own mark on it great track um so Tell me about your second LP then. Now, that was on uh, Motown's um, uh, other label, because you started out on VIP, then you transferred to Motown, and they uh, they opened a new label called Weed. Yeah, it, it was it was trying for, they were trying to break me. Yeah. You know, and they were trying for kind of like a, an underground hippie thing. Yeah. And uh, Deke Richards, who, who's passed now, was was in charge of putting it all together. And and looking at it, it kind of looks like what a collection of black people would consider an underground, you know, album that might break white. Well, I mean, it was it was um, it was it was weird. It was weird. It was it was wonderful, and I liked some tunes on it. It was quite experimental, oh. wasn't it? But then Motown were. I mean, over here in the UK, people think of Motown and they'll think of yourself, think of Martha Reeves, or think of Dinah Ross, and that traditional Funk Brothers sound. But they right. they also had a jazz arm, didn't they? Um, they got, um, well, uh, they were moving into folk music with people like Odyssey on the Mo West label and Frankie Valley. Right, so, right, right. When, yeah. they, when they expanded out, they did. And in fact, I cut some jazz stuff. You certainly did, like your rendition of Sonny. 
there you are, showing the jazzy side to Motown. And uh, Billy Eckstein was signed to Motown too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. And Connie Haynes. Yeah. And uh, who else? And then I guess later on, you know, Earth, Wind and Fire. And when when it got out to the West Coast, it started to open up some. Yeah, that would be about 1972, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but back 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 to the uh, the second LP, CC Rides Again. <laughs> Whose idea was it to involve an elephant? Oh, listen, I was lucky on that elephant. Well, I like animals. Yeah. And I'm kind of renowned for it. I raised lions for about 12 years. Wow. They were afraid to get another white girl. They thought it might be genetic. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple of cougars and a jaguar. And, wow. Um, so that was sort of what the animal thing was. Yeah. And geek. Deke actually wanted that that elephant to get up on its hind legs and for me to wave a hat. Right. I told him if I could crawl down off, off that elephant, I would kick his butt. <laughs> I was suggesting it. Well, and then the back in the back has me sitting on a um, like it's a I think it was a mule. Oh right. But it, and we were up near a mountain, and it wasn't a regular mule; it was a show business mule, which means it its trainer talked to it with hand signals. Okay. So he and he and Geek got into a discussion, and this bugger started to go down over the hill, and I was <laughs> I was like pulling at the reins, and he's so he was just ignoring me. He had no concept of what pulling at the reins yeah. meant. didn't mean anything. Wow. So I started screaming for them, and I was afraid to I was afraid to startle them, and I was afraid to like try to jump off. You know, it was it was just hysterical. <laughs> I felt like I was on a Runaway locomotive or something. Brilliant. I've now got a mental image of you being yeah. trotting off into the sunset on the back of it. Lovely. Yeah, really. <laughs> One of the tracks on that album was this lovely record, a cover of Brenda Holloway's You Made Me So Very Happy. <laughs> now, I mean... Um, as well as um, composing, Barry Gordy also taught you photography, didn't he? Yeah. Am I right in thinking you I, took some of the publicity photos for Motown, for the of the acts? Uh, mine were actually more candid. Okay. But he started me with a little Polaroid camera, and right. he said, "Go out and, and take some pictures and bring them back and show me." And so, you know, I would show him. He'd go, "Ah, garbage, garbage, <laughs> garbage, garbage." And so then he'd take it and he'd shoot. First, I did what everybody did. You know, one. One figure against the wall, yeah. and so then he would go out and shoot, and he'd say, "Now study those, you know, and go out and try again." And I probably did that for six or eight months. I drove everybody crazy, uh, and then eventually, because he was a photographer, right? And then eventually, I got a um, a Leica Flex camera and never looked back. Brilliant, lovely. Because you enjoy your photography, don't you? You still do that as, as art, don't you? Yeah, I do. And where do you get your inspiration? From the images in front of me. Yeah, what sort of things yeah. do you look for? What what uh, do you have a um, a sweet spot like a, a nice comfort zone, or do you look at what, what do you sort um, of? Is it people? Is it escapes? I'm, I'm partial to candid. Right. And uh, I hate posed pictures. Um, when I was when I had more time, um, I loved. I shot a lot of stuff in Africa. I went over to shoot the animals and ended up shooting the people. Oh wow! Uh, I just. I just loved them. Yeah, smashing. So, um, you, was it your photography skills that uh, got Barry to ask you to do um, uh, get involved in the in the play? Do you think uh, the uh, the screenplay for uh, Lady Sings the Blues? 
Did you have because yeah, you ended he, up being VP he, he, he of the film writer. side, didn't you? You ended up Pardon? being VP of the film side of Motown. Uh, that was really the only. I I wrote a couple of other scripts with him, mm-hmm. uh, but they didn't they didn't get made. And then we were finishing up, and then Mahogany came on the on the yeah. uh, thing, so he left it to do that. Lovely. Um, so in two thousand and five, we were treated some unreleased material. Um, we got some uh, some more of the old Holland Ozier Holland uh, tracks, like Try It Baby. Mighty Good Lovin' from Smokey Robinson. Yes to me, yes to you, yesterday all came out. And this beauty. Here's Whenever I'm Without You. And there's one of the previously unreleased tracks that came out on an anthology in uh, 2005. That must have been such a rush to find yourself back in the spotlight. That was exciting. Otis called me up and he said... Uh, look, you want to come out with the temps and uh, the tops to do a um, a couple weeks over in the UK? Yeah. Because I hear you have a um, an album out. That's right. So I said, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll think uh, about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I got my spangles out and and flew over and did two weeks with them. And you played in the Royal Albert Hall. What a venue. Yeah, what yeah, I a venue. for them all over the place. Beautiful. It was, really, it was really exciting. Yeah. So do you, um, did you, do you enjoy England? Is it, I mean, it must be a far cry from uh, San Francisco. It's a lot wetter I'm, to start I with. I love England. You know, my, my husband was very partial to England. Too. Oh, right. And uh, uh, we had always thought we might get a place over there because the people are... are they own the country. It's our queen, our... And over here in America, we're more like renters. Oh, right. I don't know. Than, you know, and so there's a... Aside from the obvious, the civility. Yeah. Uh, it's just... It's wonderful. Yeah, I do like it over there. Beautiful. Um, have you got anything coming up? Are you... Um, do you do you still record? Do you... Um, have you got I'm any more performances in the way? Start work on another album, wow. and I've got a festival in San Sebastian, Spain, uh, mid March. Oh right, that'll be. Uh, is that Mojo? Yeah. Uh huh. That is a great event. You'll love it. You'll uh, because it's oh, got everything. It's got everything Skegness has got. I hadn't heard of it before. It's got everything Skegness has got plus sunshine. You'll be in your element. Lovely, oh, lovely my place. God. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Brilliant, Chris. It's been so nice talking to you. Thank you very much for um, setting oh, some nice. time aside. Oh, and Detroit Agogo at the end of October. Oh yeah, of course, Phil Dix event. Now that's that's really yeah. good, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I, I would I'll have be, thought. I'll be in that. Uh, I mean, you get lots of uh, Brits and Europeans coming across to to watch that, but the impression I'm getting from the artists is that they're they're really surprised that there's an attraction, if you like, today for the work that they did forty and fifty years ago. Um, yeah, it yeah. is. It is kind of startling. You know, Northern Soul is different than than the states in that. If they, if the states, if they like a singer, then they kind of follow your career and they yeah. sort of grow with you and change with you. Northern Soul is is a captured part of a time mm. and and body of music yeah. that they that they love that yeah. takes them back there. That's and, right. You know, if if. Um, it's it's an unusual it's an unusual 
Contingent. Well, over here, you see, we like a history, and if something's good, we cling on to it, whether it's a thousand-year-old building right, or a forty-year-old right. song. And I think it's just embedded in our culture. But uh, yeah, we always have a laugh, and life's for living, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Absolutely. Lovely. Right, Chris. <laughs> I shall uh, trot off. Thank you very much again for uh, giving right. this time. Thank you so it was much. absolute delight to meet you at Skegness. Oh, God. And uh, it congratulations. Was meeting you too. Congratulations on a wonderful performance. Thank you. Ah, thank you. I'm going to play out now with a track you released in 2011. This is Dream or Cry. <laughs> 